Hello everybody, Gary Stuckey here. Got an awesome interview today with Mr. Bill Leverty of Firehouse. Talking about the good old days and what's been going on with him lately. And he's got a new album coming out. So you don't want to miss it. So stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Real Music, I'm Gary Stuckey. And recently I reached out to Bill Leverty of Firehouse, but a hurricane hit and it slowed me down. I couldn't talk to him at the time because I had no power or anything, no phones. It was like Gilligan's Island, man. <laughs> but now I got the chance to talk to him. You know him from Firehouse, guitar player, and all the great songs like Love of a Lifetime, don't treat me bad reach for the sky when i look into your eyes you know those songs so many more but here he is folks bill leverty hey gary hey bill how's it going i'm doing great how you doing buddy I, i'm surviving I, i'm just thankful to have power I'm glad things I'm glad things are so much better, bro. Yeah, man, it's it's nice to have power. I think I took power for granted. Uh, <laughs> man, don't we all? <laughs> it's like you know, you go from you know cell phones and TV, then going to the caveman. You know, like instantly. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I'm back into the 21st century now, so I can I can. Yeah, but do I bet your grilling skills, your your skills oh, on man. the grill got real good. Oh yeah, you know it, man. It brought back some memories yeah. from the Boy Scout days, from the outdoor <laughs> <laughs> adventures. Yeah, good times, man. Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, very clean, clean and reverent. Very good. So I take it you were yeah. a Boy Scout back in the day. Yeah, man. And you got all your badges, and your you tied the knots, and the. Yeah, I, I didn't get a whole lot, but I uh, I was in there for long enough to to learn the scout motto and oh wow scout oath and that oh. kind of stuff. So it's good. Awesome, I did not know that. That's that's cool. That's very cool. Uh, okay, I guess we'll get started here. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'll just run through some questions for you. How about that? Um, Sounds great. Well, how how have you been doing uh, since the pandemic? You know, how's that messed up your life, uh, so to speak, uh, from the norm? What, so what you've been doing since the pandemic? Well, I, I'm a, I try to be a glass half full kind of guy. I mean, everybody's yeah. going through so much stuff. And um, musicians were the first to be knocked out. And we're going to be the last to be brought back into Right. being able to go back to work. A lot of people were knocked out of work for quite a while, so I, I try not to sound too much like a whiner. But uh, it, we haven't had a public show in Firehouse since March. Wow. And uh, it's tough, man, I yeah. tell you. Um, ha had I not had this album just about ready to go when all that happened, uh, it would have been a lot worse. But fortunately, the fans have, have held me uh, held me up and sustained me Right. Kept my my head above water when um, by releasing this album uh, at, at the time, and uh, and they supported me. So that's it's been it's been a blessing for sure. Awesome, and they can get that album on your website. Yeah, that's the only place right now. It's the only and, place. And, and Liberty dot com. Liberty dot. If you get it uh, there, I you you check a little box, 
it says autograph my CD, and then a little box drops down where you fill in your name, and I'll sign the CD to you. Awesome. Wow, that's cool. A lot of people will be jumping in there. That's really cool. Um, so uh, so let's, let's back up into history, and let's go back in the past. Uh, so how did you uh, first started playing guitar? How old were you when you first started playing guitar? Well, there, there, it's, there's a, I'll give you the long answer since we've got time. <laughs> sure, since sure. We just got started. <laughs> but I got a Christmas uh, present underneath the tree from Santa Claus, oh. and it was a plastic guitar, and I was about three years old. Oh, cool. And um, I probably just smacked it, you know, against a tree or something, just having fun. Yeah. But um, so that really doesn't count. But then a few years later, I had a babysitter who had a four-string guitar, and she brought that guitar over, and she taught me a little four-chord progression. Oh, wow. It was G, E minor, C, D7. And I was messing with that, and, and so that's when I really first kind of learned how to play something. And I told my parents that I really liked the guitar. I wanted to learn how to play. So they signed me up for lessons at the music store. Awesome. And uh, they put a Hal Leonard sheet music book in front of me with Row, Row, Row Your Boat. <laughs> and I hated it. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I quit. So I quit. And I really didn't start picking it up again until I was almost 15. Wow. And um, I was... Um, I had a second chance at it, at, at playing, uh, taking lessons. It was a group setting where the teacher taught chords only. It wasn't row, row, row your boat, and Mary had a little lamb. It was right. G, C, and D, where that was the first lesson. Right. And you turn those chords around to D, C, and G, right. and you can play Sweet Home Alabama. That's right. So after that first, after that first lesson, I was playing something. And um, it was six lessons. By the time I finished the sixth lesson, I had a gig. <laughs> I was in a band. See, that's all it takes, kids. And I was hooked, <laughs> and I was not going back, man. I was just, <laughs> that, just so into it. Well, that see, that's how you do it. That's you know, some other things have to happen though for you to uh, to make it. But that's a start. So, so where's the uh, where's the babysitter? That does she know that she she gave you the the. Uh, Yes, I, I talked to her. She was from Massachusetts, and um, she 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 moved here, so she had a, the Boston accent. Oh, okay. So I learned that a little bit, like park and, the car um, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, in the garage, and she still lives here, and we're still friends. Awesome. You know, great, great woman. You ever slip her some money, you know, just for the, you know. There you go. That, that was, yeah, that was, that's what it's all about. Putting up with the kid. Uh, so, uh, so who influenced you musically when you were growing up? Well, back then in the, in the, well, let's even go before that, because before I started playing seriously, I had some, some records back then that influenced me. Uh, the first, album that I remember having was a Jose Feliciano record that my parents gave me. Awesome. They had listened to it a lot, and they said, hey, listen to this, and I just loved the sound of that guitar. Yeah. Then I bought um, 
uh, Creed's Clearwater Revival yeah, album, yeah. and I had a Simon Garfunkel Greatest Hits album. Right. And then, um, you know, I listened to a lot of the radio, um, and I had some older cousins and an older sister, and I listened to their vinyl a lot. So uh, my, my godfather gave me a, um, an album by Stevie Wonder called Inner Visions, which uh, influenced me quite a bit. Yeah, <clears throat> and, um, uh, but when I got a little older, it was Leonard Skinner, Ted Nugent, Oh yeah, and then Van Halen came out, and then that was all she wrote. That was it, yeah, yeah, pun intended, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a song in there somewhere. Yeah, some somebody was famous there. I can't remember who they were. I think they they yeah. might have made it big. Uh, and speaking of songs, what? Uh, when did you start writing songs? Do you remember when you first started writing songs and mu- the music and the, the lyrics and things like that? Yeah, the first song that I wrote, I was in high school. I was in eleventh grade, and it was. Uh, a song for in a band that uh, I was in. We did mostly cover tunes. We thought, well, let's try to write a couple songs. And yeah. and I remember writing that first song. And what was it? It was called Using Me. Using Me. Yeah, and I had several other uh, little bits of songs, but that was my, my first real oh, cool. song that I, and I, I can't really call it a real song anymore, but uh, that was the first one that I, that I finished, I guess. Cool. Yeah. So is it, is it, Recorded somewhere on a lost demo somewhere, or do you have any? Uh, It might be somewhere, but I I don't think I have. I I might have it somewhere on a cassette, somewhere in the attic or something, but I I don't know. I mean, it's not worth pursuing, I don't think. Oh, (laughs) yeah? There you go. Or do you ever do that? Do you go through, like, some old songs and go, I might give that one a try, you know, that are laying around? Or do you like to be fresh? I really haven't. I've been trying to just forge ahead, you know, as much as possible. Most of the ideas that I had that I wrote back then that weren't good enough to pursue back then probably aren't good enough to pursue now. So I try to spend time, I call it bench time. I sit on that bench and I I work to try to come up with new ideas and and new lyrical subject matter to, to sing about and yeah, that's kind of the way I, I try to do it now. Or do you ever look back and go, "Yeah, I've I've changed my writing style since then." Of of course, right? You, you know, you've improved over the years if you look back at your earlier writings, I guess, right? Or would you say? Well, I think that um, I, I sing about different things now because back when I was in my teens and twenties and and even early early thirties, I sing a lot about girls. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and uh, and now you know now that I'm over 30, I've, uh, you know, I've, I, things change in your mind and you're not singing as much about partying and, yeah. and those kinds of things. I'm trying to think about things that, that mean something to me today. Yeah. So that's probably that's, the main difference. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, which, you know, people like, you know, Mick Jagger still singing about dating, you know, going out with a girl, you know, and he's like almost 80, you know, <laughs> but that, I, I guess if, but if you got something, you stick with that, you stick with that, uh, idea, I guess, which, you know, I understand. That's cool. I th- the topics are important uh, to people, you know, uh, more than they were back in the day. So I, yeah, I understand that. Um, well, uh, you were talking about your first bands. So what, what was the, the band that you were in right before Firehouse? What was the band? that people didn't quite discover yet that turned into... That band was called White Heat. 
White Heat. And White Heat, we, we had Michael Foster playing drums in that band, and we did, I'd say it was about 80% cover tunes, 20% originals, yeah. and we wanted to get a record deal. And there was this other band on the club circuit called Max Warrior, mm-hmm. and they did about the same percentage of stuff, you know, 80% cover tunes, 20% originals. Right. And uh, Michael and I liked them, you know, especially CJ and Perry, and, and those guys liked us. And both bands broke up at about the same time, and we, we started a new band. And we kept the name White Heat, and eventually we got a record deal, and we found out the name White Heat was taken already, so we had to change the name. So we came up with, my Michael actually came up with the name Firehouse. Cool. So, but Firehouse, that wasn't from the Kiss song, Firehouse, right? That was just a name he came up no, with. No, it was actually Michael Foster was going to be a fire department, a oh. firefighter. He was all set to, to go to the fire academy and, and, uh, and all oh, that. Wow. So it actually came from the fire department. Oh, wow. Kiss. Although we knew about that Kiss song, of course. Yeah. We, um, yeah, thought, I wonder if people think we just got it from the, the kids. That's what song. I thought. Yeah, I thought but, that. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't. We um, it was it was Mikey. Cool. Oh, did y'all ever play uh, Firehouse as a song in the uh, in concert or anything? We never have. That would be kind of cool. Yep. Just thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that that would, yeah. Be, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what was your uh, first impression of the guys when you met them, uh, all the other band members, when you when you came to B? Did you say, hey, these guys are really my kind of style? How did y'all click and all that? Well, you know, like I said, Michael was already in the band. I, I, when I first met Michael, he, we needed a drummer, and we auditioned probably 20 drummers here in, in the area. Mm-hmm. And um, he came in, and he had a, a, a drum kit that was, it was in good shape. I mean, it was a Good, well-polished, clean kit, but it was this ugly green color. <laughs> so when he brought the dr- ugly green, green drums in, I thought, oh, boy. Here you we know, go. I, got, I was going, you can't judge a book by the color of That's the drum right. kit. Don't go on it. And then he played, <laughs> and we were like, oh, man, this guy is great. He's got such a groove, too. He just, he had, he had swing. Yeah. And most of the drummers were dun dun tat dun 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 tat and Michael could do the and he just had the the groove, you know. And uh then we heard him sing and we were like, You got the gig. We didn't tell him he had the gig. We said, um, hey, why don't you come back tomorrow and uh here's our song list of thirty songs or forty songs or whatever it was and um just let's just practice wherever you know. And he came back the next day, and he knew them all. Wow. <laughs> That's, That's when we said, you got to get it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the icing on the cake was it with Michael and it was his voice, because the guy just wow. was a great singer. So, well, you know, like I said previously, with, with CJ and Perry, we, we saw them play in Max Warrior and uh, knew they were great. And yeah. knew they you know, just, just incredible. I mean, you know, Perry was just an awesome bass player and a great singer, and TJ could sing all the stuff that everybody, all the lead singers in the in the country or in the world wanted to sing. Yeah. He could sing the Scorpions, and he could sing Ronnie James Dio, yeah. and he could sing the Paul Stanley stuff, yeah. and um, Bon Scott, and all the really challenging stuff. He just sang it so well, so we knew they had it. And then 
you know, I actually met CJ and uh, in between sets when they were playing and gave him a demo tape and uh, we became friends. And then the next time they came around town, I, I snuck backstage and said hey to him and Perry. And, and then they came through town again. And I talked more with Perry and I knew they were really cool guys, laid back and focused, right. wanting to write songs and make it. Right. And um, so it, it really did. It really did work when um, both bands broke up. It was it was a phone call, and, and we started working together. Awesome. Well, CJ Snare, it, he sounds like he should have played drums, but I'm glad he sang. You know, right? If your first name was if your first name was Kick, you yeah. really uh, really got a drummer. <laughs> That's right. See the. And you could add the the green drums and still made it. So you didn't make him paint the drums, though, right? So, so yeah, no, I mean, he, he had those drums for, for probably a year or so, and then he bought this great-looking set of uh, red Ludwigs, oh, yeah. and um, they sounded great, and they looked great, and it was, it awesome. was, it was killer. Awesome. Well, how, how did y'all get the record deal? I mean, uh, how did that happen exactly? We played, you know, we made several demo tapes, and one demo tape led to a better demo tape, led to a better demo tape, and finally we got the attention of the A&R guy uh, at Epic Records. He flew down to Charlotte, North Carolina, on a night where there was this terrible ice storm, and most of the traffic was, there was no traffic, actually, because you couldn't really drive your car without driving sideways down, yeah. sideways down the street, and the electricity, for some reason, didn't go out in this club where we were. And he landed, uh, Ali and our guy landed. Um, his name's Michael Kaplan. His taxi somehow made it to this club where we had like five people. And he walked in and he said, uh, hey, you know, just wanted to check you guys out. And we played. And he walked backstage. He goes, I think you guys are ready for a record deal. And we couldn't believe it. And um, he said, I'm going to make the land speed record and get you guys signed so you can get in the studio and start recording. And he did. I mean, it was within a week. We were up in New Jersey oh, wow. making demos with our new producer. And uh, we signed shortly thereafter. Awesome. And that was, that's 30 years ago, right? It's been 30 years? <clears throat> well, that was actually 31 years 31 ago. 31 years ago. Uh, to, that, that we that, you, that we did that that show where right. Michael Kaplan came and saw us. It took a while to do all the demos and then to do the recording and then for the record company to wait for the right time to release the record. But they released that record September of, of nineteen ninety. So that the record so is thirty years thirty years ago now since the first record came out. Awesome. So it's almost yeah exactly. Uh, well, so you know the official date release on September nineteen ninety was it, huh? Wow. Yeah. Awesome. So 30 years. You don't feel older, do you? It's 30 years, you know. It's, it's just a few years ago, right? My mind feels <laughs> about the same. Yeah. But my lower back feels like I've lifted a lot of these 4 by 12 cabinets. <laughs> and you have. out of venues. So. And you have. It's, <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling. I've done it myself. It's not fun picking up some stuff. And, and when your back says, I disagree. Um, so... You're, so the first album, uh, it was double platinum. I think two million copies sold, and and how yeah, did, in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. How did how did that take you? I mean, how did what was your reaction to that when you realized this is actually happening? You know, 
how was how did you react to that? Well, we didn't get the double platinum record first. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing we got was our gold record. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, you know, well, I think we were all doing backflips and freaking out going, wow, I can't believe that, that this, we finally got to a point where we've got an audience nationally. Right. And that our record company presented us with a gold record. And at the same time, we were, we were working so hard every night playing gigs every morning getting up real early to go to the radio station to play acoustically and working all day and then working all night and traveling all night on the bus, yeah. waking up, repeat the cycle, that we didn't really get, uh, have too much time to, to celebrate because there was always some, some place to go the next day where we had to do a gig and sound good. So it was gradual. Um, kind of a thing and it was I think we were pretty controlled in our freaking out celebration but but uh, when we got our first gold record I, I'd say we were we had a great dinner that night awesome. probably popped some champagne awesome. and then we had a gig the next day uh, and then we found out that the record went platinum and then a little while later we found out it went double platinum and we were still on the road uh, still working and um just, just really thankful, you know, grateful. So I'd say that that was the main way we felt was grateful. Yeah, I imagine so. That that I remember that I'm, I've still got the the cassette tape of that album. Uh, it's it survived oh, all these years. I, it, it's it's <laughs> it's worn out, but I you know I still got. It. Um, and then uh, when you when you went on tour, how was that for the first uh, tour after that success? How how did that go? And who did you tour with back in the day? Well, before we we had our, our before the record kind of uh, took off, mm-hmm. we, we the record company gave a song to a radio station called Z Rock. Z Rock was station in Dallas that was syndicated to 20 stations around the country. Mm-hmm. And it was a song called Shake and Tumble. And Shake and Tumble did well at that station. People called and said, we want to hear that one again. And because that song was successful at Z-Rock, that meant we had 20 gigs. So we rented the cheapest bus we could find. It had holes in it. And uh, it had manual transmission. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember a lot of terrible things about the bus. But for us, we had a tour bus. <laughs> That's so all we, that matters. We hopped on that bus, and right away we had 20 gigs. So we felt like um, we were killing it, you know. And we, we went out every night. We, we tried to sound the best we could. It was really important for all four of us. All four of us really had a dedication to our fans to make sure that they paid their hard money for a ticket. We put our hardest effort into making that show the best that it could be. Right. And, uh, you know, after that tour, that was mostly clubs and stuff. Then we graduated to some theaters and stuff. And then that summer, we got um, got the opportunity to go out with Warrant on the Blood, Sweat, and Beers tour awesome. with uh, Warrant and Trickster and Firehouse. Awesome. And, um, that tour sold out everywhere it went. Uh, you know, weren't it was, it had uh, heaven and cherry pie and 
those were like number one songs and um, just it was a huge tour. So to be able to go, you know, in the, in the, I guess the amount of time was probably about a year, almost a year where we went from playing clubs to playing arenas and sheds in, in Chicago. I think there was over 40,000 people. Wow. It was, it was mind blowing. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's just, uh, that shows you the popularity of, of, of firehouse and bands like that. It was such a big time, uh, for band, you know, the, uh, the bands like that in that time. I, I remember it well. I remember, uh, everybody had their, uh, tour shirts coming in high school, you know, firehouse and, and, uh, warrant and everything like that. So yeah, it was, it was really awesome times. Uh, the good old days, if you will. Right. Um, so then y'all, uh, you won an American Music Award uh, right as the grunge scene was coming on, right? So tell me about that, winning the American Music Award. Yeah, so uh, we were up for the best hard rock, heavy metal band, and uh, we won. Um, we didn't think we were going to win, but we did. And uh, it's, it's, it was, it was we always joke and say that our, our chairs were spring-loaded when they called our name. Uh, we didn't think we were going to win. And I, I think I made it to that stage in uh, probably 0.1 second from all the way in the back row where we were. Well, no, we were kind of in the middle. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful night. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And Still you, can't. You beat out, what, Nirvana and uh, was it... Um... Alice in Chains, I think it was. Uh, yeah, nominated. That's right. Yeah, that, that's. And then you know, and then for them to take off, and then you know, the uh, the rock genre, you know, and metal kind of faded. But uh, you know, but y'all y'all kind of stuck around a little bit longer than most of the guys, right? Uh, why do you think that though? Why do you think some of these bands kind of faded, and y'all were still kind of in the middle there? not giving up. So how come y'all didn't throw in the towel, so to speak? Uh, well, we couldn't afford to quit. You know, yeah, that's for damn sure. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got lucky. <laughs> you know, I think our fans stuck with us. And, um, you know, we just, we just, I mean, a lot of it was luck, bro, to be honest with you. I mean, right. it was a tough time for every band in our genre. And um, we, we managed to, sustained and y'all never did the alternative sound you know a lot of them i know like warrant kind of went to the alternative kind of different sound of you know rock sound and all the other bands so how come y'all decided to stay true to your sound during that time well we always wanted to write songs that we liked and that we wanted to do and i think a lot of bands uh did the same i think that you write what you want to do. If it's alternative music, that's fine. If it's yeah. a darker kind of sound, that's fine. And we did do some some darker stuff in the the albums that we made. Um, but for the most part, I, I think we just stuck with singing positive lyrics and and making hard rock melodic hard rock music. Because I don't know, that's what we're that's what was coming out. So we didn't really try to try to change and 
we didn't really try to stay the same. We just tried to write good right. songs. Right. Yeah, that's about it. Right. Um. So uh, whenever you're going, you know, you were going overseas and everything like that. You were big overseas, right? They loved you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, how you define big, but we were able to go over there and play gigs, you know, for sure. Right. And uh, and you were still making albums, and uh, and then and you kept the same lineup, and then I think uh, Perry Richardson left. So what was the reason why Perry left the band? Well, I think Perry was just looking for, you know, Perry is like really hard, hard, heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And he also liked country a lot. So I think artistically he felt like it was uh, time for him to, to make a change. And he um, moved to Nashville and got a gig immediately with an epic artist named Craig Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with Craig for years and... Um, then he was in Trace Atkins' band for a while, and then he went back with Craig. And then, uh, most recently, he got a gig with Striper. So he's 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 in Striper now. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're real happy for him. Awesome. So you still talk to him or anything? Or oh yeah, cool. Oh yeah, I texted with him back and forth like yesterday. Actually, awesome. <laughs> are you getting buzzed? Is that you or is that me? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's on my phone. It's just go. It's all day long. So oh okay. No Somebody's trying to. Somebody. Hey, this is my. You know, I, I got him now for the next few. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So um. And but the songs though that you're writing, you know, in 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 uh, songs like "Love of a Lifetime" and and things like that, uh, the slower ballads. I know a lot of the fans are are big on the ballads. Is that does that ever hurt you? Like as a guitar player, do you think? I like the heavier songs. I want to do more heavy songs, you know, but everybody well, wants to I think Love of a Lifetime is a heavy song. Well, it it yeah. is a heavy song. The lyrics are about love. Yeah. And, um, but it's, it's something that I find is, a, is that, that I want to do. I want to play as a musician. I want to play different tempos. Yeah. So if you're going to play different tempos, you've got to play some slow stuff. That's right. Um, and it's, it's, it's a challenge to play slow. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a challenge to play the diversity that that I love. So I really want those challenges every night when I get up there to play. It, it keeps you from just kind of going through the motions. I mean, I, I love playing that song. Yeah. I love playing when I look into your eyes. Right. I, we're also playing. Uh, I live my life for you in our set. Right. And we got a couple other ballads, and it's just something that we've always enjoyed in, in our. Even when we were doing cover tunes, it was always fun to play a ballad. Yeah. And then it was fun to, to play something really hard and, and fast. Yeah. So no, it's just, I love it all, you know, really. Well, oh, y'all, y'all do a great job. And I, I know the uh, on the uh, ballads, you know, especially like the solos, that's a really good time to shine. I always, you know, growing up and listening to the ballads and things like that and waiting for the, the big solo you know, to happen. That was always cool. And, and some of your best work, I think is in those songs. And how do you, how do you go about writing like a solo? Um, uh, how do you like, remember, do you record the, you know, you practice with it and record it and play it back and try to remember it or it just comes to you or how does that work out? Well, it, it varies, but usually I, or we, 
will figure out what the chords are behind are going to be underneath the solo. If I have a an idea, if anybody has an idea where they go, hey, I hear this to go da 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 da, da right. then we'll do that. In that case, I, I think it was the the chords backing the solo were first, and that melody. I think I came up with that that melody for that solo. But it's usually humming a melody to me is the most important thing. Something that the, the person who listens to it can can hum it later on or whistle whistle the melody later on. I always um, try to put a little bit of energy in it, um, and, and usually that's with some speed somewhere, but it doesn't have to be, but I, I kind of gravitate towards a little bit of, uh, you know, fast picking or something towards the end of the solo to... to give it kind of a climax yeah. but it's really is just um you know if i don't have a, like a, a melody that comes to my head right away that, that i sing or hum then i'll sit down with those chords those backing tracks and play along until something comes out uh, it's, sometimes it takes a long time but it's usually homework it's something yeah. that I, I do with my little four track that i had back in the day mm -hmm. or now it's my little computer and I sit down with it and I just work until I come up with something that, that makes me feel like it's, it's good enough to show the other guys. Right. Awesome. Well, um, what's your favorite song to play? Like when you're playing live, what song do you say? I, I really love playing that song live. Hmm. I love all of them, to be honest with you. There isn't, there isn't one I don't love playing. They're all, fun to play and they're all challenging for me and but i think i guess one of the ones that makes me feel like uh, it has a lot of the elements that that make uh, our band uh, shine is a song called all she wrote i think it's good because it's um uh, it's got a lot of harmonies in it and it's got a cool rhythm and, and people like it. People already know it. They're familiar with it. So that, that helps where the energy in the room is, is up. Um, I'd say another one, a couple others that we did, well, Reach for the Sky is another one yes. that's got some, some good energy and some good, yeah, it starts off you know, with a cool, I think, cool sound. And, and um, there's another one called Hold the Dream that I really think is is. Uh, it's a slow tempo song that I enjoy playing. It's really challenging. And um, what's another? Oh, a song called "Home Is Where the Heart Is." Mm -hmm. I think that's another one that um, is is a lot of fun to, to play live and challenging. And uh, so those are mostly uh, those are four of them. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, when you're doing an album, do you? You know, do you ever look back on like the the previous album and go, "We want to do something in the same vein as that album," or do you try to do something different, or try to you know have different songs than that don't sound quite as? Yeah, I just are you just right? I don't want to do anything the same, and I don't want to do anything different. I just want to do something. So <laughs> yeah. just I, I just want something to come out sounding good. So I don't think too much about that. I, I and it's it's probably to my detriment because. Sometimes I'll finish something and go, oh, I didn't remember that I, I did that little lick on that record. But, yeah, it's just the way it is. Sometimes you repeat yourself unintentionally. But I, I really don't want to do the same thing over yeah. and over again. Right. And uh, so it's, it's really, I think it's 
can't be too conscious of it. Otherwise, you don't, you don't, you know, nothing comes out if you think overthink it too much. I think. Right. So you just don't think about it. You just do it, and then you go back yeah. and listen and go. I you like pick it. the best. Pick the best stuff. The stuff that everybody feels is the best. We usually vote on it. We take a vote on which songs we we all think are going to be the ones that get on there. Usually, it's you know, seven or eight uh, are unanimous, and then the last three are you know it's it's a three to one vote or something like that. Or if it's a tie, we flip a coin, oh, and cool. that's just the way it is. You know. Wow. Very interesting. Well, um, well, like a song, uh, I don't know, like "Reach for the Sky" or something like that. You know how how does that come to be? I mean, let's just say whoever writes the lyrics does. Do the other guys come in and, and do their part, or do you do it separately, or do you throw out ideas as you're doing it? How how is the songwriting on a just any given? Song? Well, it's all different. We we wrote together. Some of them we wrote individually. Some of them, uh, and a lot of them were CJ and I collaborating on stuff. On Witch for the Sky, I think, trying to think of what, what came first, the chicken or the egg on that one. I think CJ had, you know, Witch for the Sky. Mm-hmm. And we all went, oh, that's cool. And um, I had a guitar riff that went with it. Oh, Right. And uh, and so a, a lot of our collaborative work between CJ and I was was that where he had a, he kept a book of hooks and and I kept making tapes of riffs and chord progressions and I give him a new a new cassette with thirty or forty little bits on there and he would pick the ones that that really tripped his trigger you know and he'd, he'd say yeah I, I got something for that. And we'd start working on that. So that might have been the way the Reach for the Sky happened. Uh, but I don't know. He, he wrote the lyrics on that one, and that's, I think they, they turned out great. Yeah. Great album. Or all the albums are, are awesome. But I remember those, you know, playing them over and over again and, and watching them on MTV. Back when MTV played videos. Back in the day. Uh, yeah, I think they played Reach for the Sky one time. Oh, yeah. so that was the first single off our second record. Um, our bands of our genre had gone out of favor, and MTV really didn't want to play our record, but I guess the, the record company said, you got to play right. this song. We just dumped $100,000 into this video. Right. And so I remember Michael Foster called up there and, and kind of introduced the song to, to MTV and to the, the, the fans on Maybe it was Headbangers Ball or the whatever that yeah. show was at 5 p.m. that came on yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Song. And um, they played it one time, and that was it. And we went, wow, wow. <laughs> we just paid $100,000 for one, one time. play. Oh, gee. But, uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it was for, for bands of our genre back then. We oh, didn't man. know. But, uh, it's not your fault. And, and I love that, that video. That was um, NFL Films directed that video. Awesome. Too, so. Wow. It's great working with with uh, Phil Tuckett and everybody at NFL Films. Awesome. Well, that, like you said, that was like that was that genre going out. Uh, but you know, I I always wondered, you know, you know what would have happened if the bands weren't kind of, you know, if if it, the alternative music and you know didn't come in, what would have happened? Do you think it would have been 
which I'm sure a lot of the bands like like Firehouse would have really been even more explosive, I guess you could say. Um, but you know, I mean, I always wondered who decides that that you know this is this latest sound is happening and the others is not because there's a lot of fans that you know maybe everybody should have said hey i don't accept this i want these bands to keep playing you know well i think back then uh, mtv had so much power yeah. that mtv started playing the bands that they liked at, at that that they felt were hit was hip and cool yeah and everybody around the whole country and around the world um it was one size fits all kind of music for everybody at that point. And, and that, you know, that I disagreed with that. I thought there was room for everybody, but yeah. they didn't. Yeah. And they wanted to change that. And, uh, Hey, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I also contemplate or, or, or just think about what would happen if a band like the Eagles came out today with yeah. their greatest hits as their first record. Right. Would they get, played are, are they rock enough no are they country enough no mm. are they pop enough no would they make it today yeah. i would sure hope so because they were one of the greatest bands of, of all time but it's so tough because it's so pigeonholed and, and compartmentalized now yeah. who knows but uh, i i sit around and, and ponder that kind of yeah. stuff all the time too i do too and i, I, I try not to think about it too hard <laughs> Well, you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. That's the main thing is you can't go back and change anything. But, but yeah, I've thought about, you know, you know, would this band make it? Would this, And it would be sad if, if somehow you could secretly watch and then the Eagles just came and went and they're like, ah, these guys, you know, who are they? And then they, it'd be crazy to think that because you know a good sound when you hear it, regardless of what MTV or whoever says, you know. So it's kind of sad that, that, you know, bands like that, and Firehouse, I mean, I I, I loved your music and, and and the bands like y'all, you know, and growing up and, um, you know, I, I just hated for that, you know, genre to, to fade, you know, which I, I'm I'm you know I'm glad there's still you know people like you are still playing music and still putting it out there, you know, and uh, keeping it going. Maybe it'll make a comeback like in a big way. Maybe after the pandemic, which I do think, uh, it's going to bring like a resurgence of. Uh, some of this classic music, I believe. What do you think? Let's hope so. And uh, speaking of which, you got solo albums. You got a new solo album that you were talking about, right? That you just worked on. You said in. Uh, I do. Yeah. And thanks uh, for mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah, and what's the name of that? Again, it's called "Divided We Fall." Divided We Fall, and it and it it's fitting with today. It sounds like, you know, and not on purpose, right? How, how well, that's not, that wasn't on purpose, yeah. but uh, that that the last song that I wrote for the record, uh, I was trying to think of a title for it, and "Divided We Fall" became the title. United we all stand tall, but divided we fall. Awesome. And uh, the album was written over six years, and I released each song as a single, up to a point where um, I don't know the first song that I wrote was uh, released. Six years ago, I, I did a video for it. And then, you know, Firehouse does 55 to 60 shows a year. So there isn't a whole lot of time for me to be doing solo music, yeah. especially with other projects I'm involved with and uh, the family and things like that. Right. But I release a song, and then when I get another idea for a song, I, I put it out and release it as a single. And I didn't, um, 
you know, I just felt like I'm going to put out a song when I finish it. And then when I got 10, I'll press up some CDs and put it out as an album. And uh, that's kind of how that worked. Divided We Fall was the last one. And it's, it's really a, a song more about humanity mm. and how we should all come together and um, we're better together and, um, and, and that kind of thing. And, and that um, if, if we don't work together, then we will fall. That's true. So that's, that's just kind of what it's about. Well, that's, that's an awesome uh, idea. I mean, that's, that's great content, like you said, for, for today's uh, uh, environment. Um, and, and so uh, your uh, solo albums, you, how many have you done? You've done a few, right? This is my fifth one. Fifth one. And uh, I was looking over some of your info, and you, you've got some uh, Southern-style music, right? Is it, wasn't that uh, one of your... Oh, I've, I've always been influenced by, by Southern artists and blues artists and, you know, even a little country and bluegrass and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, it creeps in in my playing. Uh, can't help it. And I just, I love that stuff. Right. And, I, and you know, and and also I was looking back, I, I was, uh, you know, one of your albums with Firehouse, Category 5. I was thinking, man, I'm glad we didn't have a category five recently when I was trying to, I was trying to uh, set up this interview and I was thinking, man, it, I, I think it was only like a category one, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm thankful. But, that's uh, a hell of a storm, man. I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm glad you're okay. And I, yeah. every time the hurricane season comes around, I'm, I'm sweating it for everybody through November. It's a terrible feeling. So, um, but I've been through them. But I've you've been, been yeah, you, you, you're heavy, heavy hurricanes. Yeah. You're over there in what, North Carolina? Is that where you were? Well, I'm in Virginia now, Virginia. but we were living in Charlotte when Hurricane Hugo came through. Oh, that was yeah. category five. Yes. And uh, it was devastating. I mean, it was devastating. It's crazy bad. Yeah. That people don't understand. We were without electricity. We were without electricity for two weeks. Yeah. We, we were like that for uh, Ivan, which was on the same day as this one, this Sally, who was. It was 16 years ago on the same day. We were without for 11 days, and it was crazy. Man, that's a lot, John. But yeah, that's why I was. Yeah. Th- it was. I was so thankful. But uh, um, but the category five that that was an album. So how come you decided on that name for that reason? Because y'all have experienced those hurricanes. How did how did that work out? That title. I uh, I don't know. It was our fifth album. We were trying to come up with a name for okay. it. I think Perry came up with that. He said, how about Category 5? We went, love it. That's it. That's probably how it, how it happened. Yeah. We, like I said, we didn't really think too deeply into a lot of that stuff. It just happened. Right. Some of the best things happen when you're just, you're just throwing things out there, right? And, uh, well, uh, so you, uh, in the future, you got future plans for uh, any firehouse music or anything like that? We love to. We're we're all hoping and all wanting to make um, make to record again. So hopefully soon. And uh, and what are your hopes for this after the pandemic? And you know, is that is that one of your goals uh, to uh, record with Firehouse? And what are what other things do you hope well, for the future? Like I said, we would love to. Sure, it's definitely a goal, and it's, it's something we all want to do. And, Right now, we're looking forward to our next gig, October 1st at the Beacon Theater here in Virginia. 
and uh, putting this pandemic behind us. That's what yes. we all want, Ugh. so we can get back to normal. That's right. Not, and I don't want the new normal. I want, <laughs> I want my old normal back. You know, I don't want to. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not one of those. You and me both, uh, brother. Yeah, I'm just tired of the whole. Every just everything. I mean, I'm just tired of uh, you know pandemics and political mumbo jumbo. I just want yeah, yeah you know y'all go out and rock and everybody enjoy it. How about that? And and talking about getting along with each other, that sounds like a good plan to me. Um, That's what we need. I mean, it's been awesome talking to you. I I don't want to keep you or anything, but I appreciate you. I've been a big fan of yours and Firehouse for years since I was I think I was 16 when you're when the first album came out and uh it's been a while well now we know how old you are so, so do the math everybody i'm 30 <laughs> <laughs> just just slightly over 30, that's yeah. that's right just barely over 30 well i appreciate uh you you uh taking your time to uh chat and uh i'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some new music i'm going to check out that album and everybody go to uh Leverty.com, right? And get an autographed yeah, copy, right? How yeah, cool man. I love signing them. And I want everybody to go and uh, check that out. And uh, and I'll be listening, too. I appreciate it, Bill, for your time. Thanks for your time, Gary. Thanks to everybody's time. Thanks to everybody for taking the time listening to this. Yes, sir. And uh, I'm, I'm praying for the best in the future. And maybe I'll talk to you again one day soon. Awesome. Thanks, brother. All right, thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Gary Stuckey here, and uh, just like to remind you, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, you can do so by clicking on the donate button and giving any amount that you wish to. I appreciate it so much, and thanks for the ones that have donated and have continued. Uh, for the past year i appreciate you more than you know and uh, keeps me going uh, doing things like this so thank you so much and until next time everybody whatever you do don't stop believing god bless you